You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Uh, Joshua chapter 14, if you'll make sure you're in that place. I have jumped over several chapters on purpose. You'll find from chapter 10 up to where we are now in 14, where um, God basically shows us how the Canaanites were systematically removed from the promised land. God did not want them left there, not one nation, not one person, and unless they were willing to be able to bow down to the truth of the Jehovah God, they were to be wiped out and not left to, um, to hinder them in their ministry and serving the Lord later on. And boy, you read those chapters, it's one after another, after another, after another. Systematically, these people were being removed from the promised land. Um, the semblance for me and you would be, in our own heart and life, is to very carefully, prayerfully, systematically remove anything in our lives that would stand between us and serving God in the land of promise or while we are trying to learn how to abide in Christ and He in us. And I've challenged you, I've given invitations to this effect that if we have anything standing, outstanding, not uh, not within the will and the range of God's will, that God help us as a people to be genuine and sincere enough to have a a walk with God that would clear those things out of our lives. Boy, it's interesting to see how uh, God used Joshua and these people, just warriors for God uh, to to do the work of the Lord. Now we get into um, chapter 14, and then we're going to drop down to verse 6, and we'll finish the chapter out. Verse 6 says, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and and Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee and Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I, you can underline this, this is a great phrase, you'll find it several places in, the, in this uh, passage. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance. Listen to the promise that's here and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years, uh, even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now, lo, I am this day Four score and five years old, just a young man, 85. As yet I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. 
as my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. I wish I could say the same. <laughs> I'm, I'm not 85, I'm 63, and I wish I felt like I did when I was 40, or if I could take it back maybe to 20, that'd be awesome, and at least have that same strength. You talk about a man that walked with God there. <clears throat> Verse 12. Now therefore, is anybody else familiar with this one? Give me this mountain, whereof the Lord spake in that day. For thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, those giants, and that the cities were great and fenced. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, Hebron for an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he, hey, there's an interesting phrase, he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. I would encourage you to underline those. Um, it's in there, what is that, four times now we've, we've read that? And then verse 15. And the name of Hebron before was Kerjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. Claiming our mountain, claiming our mountain tonight. Let's have prayer. Lord, again, thank you for letting us meet here again tonight and to open the Word of God, the bread of life. And I'm praying, Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, you are that bread of life. May we be able to partake of that bread fresh and anew tonight. God, speak to our hearts in the manner that you would uh, use this passage to do so, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Has anybody ever gone onto the government sites uh, and looked up at the places where uh, the government is holding not thousands or millions, but almost 60 billion dollars of unclaimed money that American citizens actually own, but they just don't realize that their money is sitting in some, well, let me just read this. There's close to $60 billion that's available with state governments, financial institutions, and or companies. The most common unclaimed money is no owner contact for forgotten checking and savings accounts. Has anybody ever forgotten your savings account? <laughs> Oh, I just forgot about that. I didn't remember I had $2,000 over there. I just forgot about it. I don't know how that happens. But forgotten checking and savings accounts as well as security deposits, IRS unclaimed refunds, uncollected insurance checks, and even inheritance that is simply sitting untouched. You can go online and find those and follow the proper procedures and see if that's you or not. And you can claim your money if you have the proper credentials, all right? Um, let's see. One in four South Dakotans. So a fourth of everybody sitting in here have unclaimed treasures <laughs> in the South Dakota Unclaimed Property Division. Stay seated. Do not leave this room. Yeah, we'll... Uh, give me your Social Security number. I'll let you know. <laughs> one in four in South Dakotans have unclaimed treasures in uh, South Dakota. It's called South Dakota Unclaimed Property 
divisions. You may have thousands there, Ryan. It's just me. That's where all that money has gone. <clears throat> Mostly because people haven't gone online to enter their name and see if they have money being held in their name. And you know what? I went online years ago. This has been like three or four years ago. I think I have like $46 somewhere. I think it's in like Dairy Queen stocks or something like that. I don't, I don't remember where it was. It was in some account, and it was some bank thing. And I cannot get on that. Pro, I can't get in there and enter the, pro, the proper um, credentials or something, and just can't. They're still holding my $46. I'm going to be rich if they're adding interest to it. By the time I retire, I might be up to 52 bucks by the time I retire. But um, nonetheless, it just amazes me that there's that much unclaimed money that you own uh, just <laughs> sitting, you're not going to listen to anything else I say after this. You're just like, get the sermon done, I'm out of here. Um, that just amazes me. And they won't claim it. or They didn't even know it was, was out there like that. I'm going to use that as we work our way through the message here tonight. First of all, I want you to remember, I want you to notice a very basic, real simple message here tonight. Caleb recalls a 45-year-old promise that was made to him by Moses. You heard it like I did there in verses 6 to 9. Um, Caleb reminds Joshua, hey, uh, I, I just, I'm coming back to you now. Uh, the majority of, uh, of what we were sent here to do in the promised land has been done. We crossed that Jordan River. Systematically, we have removed the enemy out of the way. We're ready for the inheritance to be passed out to all of God's people. And uh, I just would like to uh, you know, lay claim to what I have coming to me. And he's going to Joshua and telling him that, uh, the, the promise that Moses made to him. Matter of fact, you want to go back one book with me uh, to Deuteronomy chapter 1? And let's read how that was said to him in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 35 and 36. You there? All right, look in verse 35. Here's what he said to him. Surely there shall not one of these men... Here, a lot of pages still turning. Let me wait. Deuteronomy 1, 35. Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land which I swear to give unto your fathers, save, except for, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon... And to his children, because, hey, there's an interesting phrase. He hath wholly followed the Lord. You think God puts any stock in the man or the woman that determines I'll give God my whole life? My whole life. And I'll follow the Lord all my life. And uh, you can't believe how quick that life will run past you, but be faithful to serve the Lord your God. And that's, that's what he did. God made that promise to him. Those other ten spies that came back with an evil report, obviously they won't receive any of the inheritance in, that, um, in the promised land, but uh, Caleb the son of Jephunneh uh, is going to receive the land that he trod upon. I'm, I'm assuming it was the par- uh, parcel of land that he went upon with, um, I don't know if he was with any of his, uh, maybe some buddies or whatever, but he went upon and spied out and uh, that land where the Anakims were and came back with his report. Yep, it's, they're right. It's full of giants and we're like, yep, 
We are like grasshoppers in their sight, but we be well able to overtake them with our God working with us. We can take this land, and all the others are like, no way, it can never happen. And uh, his heart was broken. He knew what was the right thing to do, and yet, um, and yet they did not follow uh, his leadership. So this promise was the basis of why Caleb was even coming up to Joshua. Joshua sees him coming. I've got an idea. They're very close friends at this point. Um, most everybody else uh, younger than them had died off in the wilderness, uh, or their age bracket, I should say, died off in the wilderness. These guys, some of the only guys in their age bracket, I'm guessing, uh, fairly close to each other, and sees him coming, and Caleb comes up and begins to relate a story, uh, those many years old, 45 years old now, and tells him, you know, I remember what God told me. Uh, Caleb knew that God's word was as good now as it was the day God spoke it. He knew that a 45-year-old promise was as good right then and there as it was 45 years ago when those words came ringing out into his, his own ears. How many believe tonight God's word is as real, as genuine for me and you tonight as it was the day it was given to us? in the Bible. Amen? I believe it is. I believe the promises in the Bible are just as much for us tonight as they were the day they were inspired and given to us. So, God never wavers over time. Time doesn't mess up or make God's Word begin to fade out a little bit. His promises and His intent never fade or seem less distinct than they ever did before. Uh, I'm so glad his promises don't have shelf life. Anybody say amen to that? Unlike half of our refrigerators, uh, the stuff in there uh, that have shelf life, uh, God's promises are forever. Remember, uh, I've told you about going to Jenny Byer's house. Remember that? I know it's getting old by now. Uh, but every now and then somebody new comes in and it'll be a new story for them. Uh, a couple years ago, Yvette and I are out at Jenny Byer's. She lives in Rapid City. Uh, we're sitting around her house one night. She's like, Pastor, I'll make you guys some popcorn. I said, I'd love to have some. She threw a bag in the microwave. Guys, can you, uh, 25 years ago, 30 year, years ago, imagine telling someone that in the future, you're going to throw a bag in a little box. We're going to call it a microwave, and it's going to make your popcorn for you. We would have never believed that, because here we are. over our, Anybody else ever do this? Over the stove, oil in the bottom of the pan. Dad, add some more butter in there. And that's how it would pop. Anyway, I don't know how I got onto that, but she threw a bag in the microwave, made the popcorn, and, and I said, Jenny, thank you so much. And I, I opened it up. I'm sitting there eating this, what's supposed to be popcorn. And I ate a couple handfuls of it, and I'm just like, ooh. And I started looking on the bag, no date on the bag. I'm like, Jenny, uh, just curious, how old is this popcorn? Oh, I just got it not too long ago. And I'm like, really? Okay. So I kept eating it, and I'm like, I can't eat any more of this. And I walked into the kitchen, and I found her box of popcorn that she had just recently bought. And it had expired eight years ago. Eight years ago. And I had eight-year-old popcorn going through my body uh, at that time. And it was rotten, and it was no good. I'm just glad that God's Word does not have shelf life. Amen. And when God gives His Word, it's as fresh tomorrow as it was today, 
and, and uh, here comes Caleb, comes walking up with those promises still ringing in his heart. His heart was so excited and, and it felt so right and so true. And he said, I, I don't want to remind you, I just want to remind you of what uh, God told me. And Caleb, his excitement has only increased as the years have rolled on. It's not diminished from his heart one little bit. He has definitely aged, yeah, 45 years aged, and fought a lot of hard battles since then. But God's given his, uh, uh, allowed him to maintain his strength. And with that promise still ringing in his ears, and knowing that when God gives me that property, I still have all these anacoms and these people that I'm to drive out. And so God maintained the strength in that man's body to be able to carry out the promise that he was, uh, was going to uh, allowed to be fulfilled here in just a matter of days now. He is just as determined and fervent as he was when he was that 40-year-old man. There's some young guys in here thinking, 40 years old. And there's some old guys in here thinking, 40 years old. <laughs> yeah, I remember that day. <clears throat> I could just see uh, Caleb I think his heart is thumping, almost like a little kid who just won a trip to Disneyland, just cannot wait to cash in on his promise with the Lord. Let me just say some things about Caleb. I think it's deserving of us taking a, a, a note of this here. And I, on purpose, I kept emphasizing it, and when it would come up in the Bible, I would say, did you notice that? This is worthy of underlining. But can I say this tonight, uh, number two? Caleb's success was not some lucky break. Do you know what I mean when I'm saying that? Well, some, some guys just, you know, I, I say this all the time. He must have been born with a silver spoon in his mouth. There's some guys just have it all. You know, just in the right place at the right time. Yeah, in the will of God every day. And when he fell, he got back up and kept serving the Lord. Look with me in verse 8 again, um, verses 8 and 9, and then we'll drop down, I uh, believe it's verse 14 possibly. But verse 8, nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Uh, verse 9, and Moses swear on that day saying, surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast Holy followed the Lord my God. Uh, and then verse 14, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Hey, listen to me tonight. He didn't just fall into these blessings. This is a man that decided early on in his life as a young man, I'm going to follow this God. This is the real God. I know what the other small g gods are like. And I know what it does to my family. I know what it does to my heart and my mind and the ugliness that happens when I, I follow those gods. I'm following Jehovah God. And every time I've ever followed Jehovah God, it's changed my life completely. The joy is like nothing else I've ever experienced. My family gets along so good when I'm following the Lord Work goes so much better. My heart and my mind think so much clearer. My relationship with this God is indescribable. How could I ever go back to another small g God like this? I'm going to follow God all the days of my life. As a young man, that man 
made that determination and decided, I'm going to follow this God. And he has. And he's given him his whole heart. And every time something tried to lure him away into the small G God territory, he remembered the anguish of heart. And if he did stumble and fall, he got back up because the righteous man falls seven times and riseth again. He got back right in line with God and continued to wholly follow the Lord. That just simply means there was nothing in reserve for the world. There was nothing that I... You know, I'd come to church and serve God, but when I go home, I do this and that. You know, i got to have a little bit of enjoyment in life. Hey, you can enjoy your Christian life serving God all the way. It's the best life I've ever had. I don't need little vices in the back of my life that somebody else, you know, if they found out about, I, you know, I'd be in, in trouble with God or something. Uh, he decided I'm going to wholly follow the Lord, and he determined with all of his heart. It's not a lucky break. Things just didn't happen to just fall his way. It's a man that decided I'm going to get on the golden path and I'm not going to get off of it no matter how much I'm lured away or try to walk away from these things of God. And I would say tonight we ought to try to imitate Caleb's boldness in asking for what God has promised him. We, you know, when you stop and look at all the... And I'm going to talk about men in the ministry or people that have just served God faithfully and you look at their lives... Those people who have been successful in the Christian life, those men of God that I know that have gone and done just great things for the Lord, those are the people that have wholly followed the Lord. Um, and I could say this, some of the same things about many of you here tonight, but George Arnott, wobbling into the service this morning, barely make it into the pew back there and fell into his place. Sat and tried to listen the best he could listen to the service and nodded off through most of the service. But I want to tell you as his pastor, his vote was, I'm going to be in the house of God. That does something for her. Um, you stand behind his pulpit and you see that kind of, of dedication, it'll, it'll do something for you. Somebody that just decides, I'm going to wholly follow God. I could say the same thing about many of you here tonight. So those who are most successful and seem to have gone uh, in such good places in life, I find are the people that decided, I'm just going to get on that train track, I'm not going to get off. They've just given everything they had. You know, you study the lives of these gold medal Olympians and, and, and think, wow, that's really neat to be able to have all those gold medals. And then you go back and study their life and they're up at, are you listening? They're up at three and four in the morning. Yeah, there is a three in the morning. There's, I know there's one in the afternoon we're very familiar with. There's also one in the morning and they're up at three and four in the morning. Uh, I mean, getting the program going and working and giving their heart and their life. I mean, they just wholly follow their program. What do they have? They've got a gold medal. One day I want to stand in front of God with something more than some earthly golden medal. I want to wholly follow the Lord. And I want to get everything that God has for me in this life. There, um, a missionary society wrote to David Livingston and asked, have you found a good road to where you are? And if so, we want to know how to send other men to join you. And Livingston wrote back, 
if you have men who will come only if they know that there's a good road, I really don't want them. I want men who will come if there is no road at all. Who are those men? They're holy following the Lord. It was obvious as a teenage boy went charging after a Philistine giant with not much more than a few strands and straps of leather and some rocks in his pocket (laughs) that he was all in. I mean, three young men were willing to allow that day before a raging, fiery furnace to be their last day because they wholly followed the Lord. And when Paul, with a broken heart, said, I will gladly spend and be spent for you, though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved, I'll still spend my life for you. Where are those people whose feelings don't get hurt? It's beyond feelings. It's, I'm following God with all my heart. Sure, tough things are going to happen to you. Sure, somebody's going to bump into you in life. Sure, things are going to happen, and you're not going to feel like those kind of things should ever happen to you know, Christians in this life. But you're going, to, you're going to realize if I'm wholly following the Lord, my eyes are not on the little things in life that keep bumping into me. I've got my, my, my sight set on Christ. I'm, a, I'm on my way to the Lord. I'm wholly following the Lord tonight. I have tried with all that I had when God so convicted me in in Bible college and showed me there's a life so much more. I was going to go, I gave God one year of my life. This is how great I was. When I surrendered to go to Bible college, I said, God, I'll give you one year of my life. When I'm done, I'm going to come back to Franklin, Ohio, bring my 72 Camaro with me uh, with uh, the headers on it and my nice wheels on the car, and I'm going to cruise around the city of Franklin, Ohio until I had one devotion and God gripped my heart and I realized what a fool I had been and I laid my life out before God and wholly gave my life to the Lord and and it's not been perfect and lots of mistakes and lots of things I'm embarrassed about that I've said and done in my lifetime but I've tried with all my heart to wholly follow the Lord God helped me to give the rest of my life till I step into heaven wholly following the Lord If I could challenge our young men and our uh, young ladies here tonight, moms and dads, please determine to be um, a Caleb that just determines I'm going to give you my whole heart. Uh, Four times, you read it right there. God put it in just a few short verses. This is a man that knew how to wholly give his life to God. What else are you looking for? Is there something else more alluring? than uh, the golden gate of heaven. I mean, what more can you give your life to than to wholly follow God? Lastly, I find Caleb claiming his promised possession. There may be in some government coffers or some bank somewhere some dollar bills that are being held that belong to you that you could rightfully go and claim But please listen to this tonight. There are some promises in heaven tonight that rightfully belong to you just waiting to be claimed. Caleb knew his was that mountainside. We sing that. How many knows that song, I Want That Mountain? I Want That Mountain. Would you sing it for me? I'm just kidding. That's the second time uh, today I have had determined I was going to just bust out and just sing that song. I can't do it again tonight. 
You can sing it when you go home. He just couldn't wait. It's a promise from God. You know, 45 years ago, he told me I could have that, and I, and I want to come and claim that promise tonight. It's in my land of promise. It's the place where I've lived a whole life for, for God. I've tried to follow you, Lord. I've tried to do the best I can. And I, I just want to come and lay claim to what you have for me. You say, yeah, preacher, we'll get that when we get to heaven. And yes, there will be joys in heaven like I don't even know how to describe tonight. But listen to this. I have no doubt that there are things in my life right now, in your life right now, that you so need to be able to serve God with. And you so need to know that, that it's the blessing of God in my life. And somehow, some way, uh, maybe I've gotten discouraged in life. Maybe I have gotten to the place where... Um, my vision of some great things of God have kind of waned a little bit and gotten a little soft in my heart. And you've got some promises waiting on you that God could give you tonight if you would come to the Lord with your whole heart and lay it out before God and say, God, I want to claim that tonight. I, I want to know what you have for me. And if I can do better than I'm doing already for you, God, please let those promises be poured out upon me. And uh, I guess, God, what I'm saying is I want to come to you tonight and say I want that mountain. It's a mountain because it's so big. It's a mountain because it's going to take some work and some effort and some determination on your heart that I, I want to do that. I, I want to go as far as in this life as God would want me to go. I don't want to think that I've, you know, topped out in my life. God, if there's so much more I could do even at my age, whatever my age may be, God, use me tonight. But I want everything that you have for me tonight. God just uses passages like this to be such an encouragement to a 63-year-old man. And it was such an encouragement to me to be able to get on my face before God and say, God, I want that mountain. And I, I want the promises that you have waiting for me. If there's anything that's in heaven that God could bestow upon me tonight, you know my needs you know the ministry you've given me to do. You know the things in this church as a church member that God would have me to do. But God, I just can't believe I've topped out. Would you give me all that you have for me tonight and let me serve you with all my heart? We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.